2: All right, Father Butler. So I recently found you on TikTok maybe, I'd say four or five months ago. You just came up mm-hmm. on my For You page, and it was the man talks over coffee. And yeah. um, to be honest with you, you know, we talked about this just a second ago. Like Your main audience is 93% male. It's typically young men, mm-hmm. and uh, they're gravitating towards the things you have to say online, kind of like myself. I'm 28 at the moment. And I don't know, just thinking back on my upbringing and even my young 20s, Like my dad was in my life, but we didn't have many man talks. He never really sat me down to say, these are things you should know. This is how a man carries himself and all that. So Mm -hmm. me personally, I kind of gravitated towards your videos just because the stuff you were saying was really interesting. And a man who had more experience and knowledge than me had never really said some of those things before. So I imagine that's the reason a lot of young men gravitate towards your confidence or your content as well. So I'm just curious to know what compelled you to even get on social media and start posting these videos.
3: Okay. Yes, me, me at my advanced age, getting <laughs> on to TikTok. I know God yeah, help yeah, yeah. me for that. Uh, I'm a, I am on TikTok because I do have a business coach, and he said um, okay. I needed to get on TikTok. That my my audience is actually on Instagram right now, okay. but they're moving into TikTok. And if I were to get on TikTok now, I'd get in kind of on the ground floor, uh, mm. so that when my audience does come over, I'm established. I already have a followership. They'll be more likely to find me, but. Yeah, TikTok when I first got on was kind of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, for me. It's taken a long time to get the algorithm to sit, sit to quit sending me things that offend me. Mm. Um, but the reason that I, I got into doing it and got onto social media was that, uh, first off, uh, I've always been interested in men's work and men's issues. Uh, my dad died when I was eight years old. Uh, that's the big trauma in my life. I did, did have a stepfather who stepped in. Uh, we were not that close, though he did he did well. He did well with me and my sister. He really did. But we were never really close, and I always felt there was some kind of lack in my life. So I've been studying what we now sort of call men's work since before it was a thing. And for about 30 years, I've been seriously working on it for my own self-improvement. You know, in all research, there is me-search. Right. So I was trying to figure out who I was and what it meant to be a man for myself, And after I was ordained a priest, uh, I found that it was genuinely helpful with all of the men in my ministry. And then uh, about five, six years ago, we started getting into the church a number of young men exactly like yourself, Mm -hmm. college age to about 32, 33 years old, young, single. They were looking for a, a purpose bigger than themselves. So something transcendent or something larger to give themselves to. I think that's why they came to the church. But they were also looking for structure. They were looking for stability. They were looking for truth with a capital T, something that they could stand on solidly that was a rock and a foundation. They knew wasn't going to shift under their feet anymore. And I realized that, yeah, uh, through a number of years, they started coming in numbers and they continued to come. I mean, I've got like two dozen of them now, and they've continued to come into the church. So I've got this growing population of, of single young men. They're always asking me, "Where are all of the single young women, Father?" You know, they're, because they're reaching that age, you know, where they're ready to settle down and they're ready to, okay. you know, to start a family and all. And what I discovered is they're somehow stuck between late adolescence and early adulthood, mm. and there's some hump there that they're not able quite to get over. Uh, I put it bluntly to a number of them a while back and I said, so let me understand, you're telling me that 15 years of smoking weed and playing video games and jerking mm-hmm. off to porn have not been the best preparation for life? Yeah. And they said, ah, you didn't have to cut so close to the bone, mm-hmm. you know, but that was kind of it. And then last October, I was at a men's conference up in Maine and I was talking to another older man. He owned his own business. He had hi- just hired a 25 year old guy. Uh, excellent schooling, great qualifications, negotiated a salary, and then gave him all the usual kind of paperwork that you give to someone, you know, the W-2 form, the health insurance application, the pension plan, the you know, all of that. The guy came back the next day. He had only put his name on all the documents. And he said, I, I, I don't know what, I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do with this. And then here's the line. He said, I just started adulting a year ago. Damn. And I thought, what the hell is this? Adulting yeah. is a verb? And then suddenly it all became clear to me. Okay, this is it. There are a lot of young men who, for whatever reason, you know, are just not ready for full responsibility of adulthood. Yeah. And they're kind of thrashing around for it. And a lot of them actually are looking kind of for permission uh, or looking for dad 2.0. And so I said, Okay, I'd finally sort of reached a point in my life. I am 62 now. I fully embrace the fact that I am an old man. See, even my eyebrows are going white now. So that's that's the real sign. You know, you're going yeah, old. Yeah. When your eyebrows go white. And I said, "Look, I can talk to guys. I can tell them things they should." And the byline from my social media is things you should have learned from your dad or from your granddad. Yeah. yeah. And so I just started putting out all this random stuff that I had been collecting in my notes that I've had for for years. And like you, just young men just gloam to it and they mm-hmm. found genuine value. I, I was, I was frankly surprised it took off the way that it did. Mm. Uh, but clearly I've struck a chord. And so I continued to do it and I'm developing a more systematic approach to mm-hmm. all of the stuff that I'm doing in hopes to putting together a more, you know, structured package for guys who really want to, you know, maybe follow a little bit of a course or, or do something a little more structured with their lives. Uh, based on the four classical virtues of courage, moderation, prudence, and justice—so okay. those old Stoic virtues—and uh, so anyway, that's where it's ultimately gonna go. But yeah, right now I've got a I've got a sweet following on TikTok, which I never believed would happen.
2: <laughs> that's for sure, man. I think a part of the reason, like you just said, is a lot of young men are just looking for any sense of direction, any sense of guidance or leadership, because you know. I'm not sure what pops up on your Instagram or TikTok feed. I'm not sure what you hear about on the day-to-day, but it seems to me that a lot of young men are being told on a daily basis almost that their existence is a threat to humanity and society and women in general, that their masculinity, their natural masculine impulses are evil intrinsically and that they should suppress these things. And they need to, you know, follow this almost like dogmatic way of thinking that, you know, when you're a young kid, 16, 17, 18, you're like, you don't know, you know, you know, nothing pretty much. And so you're listening to all these messages and some kids start to believe like, I'm a problem. I need to change. I need to do this and that. And they're confused. So where do you think the disconnect even started? When do we start even calling young masculine men toxic? And when did young men kind of like go astray and get lost? How do you see that situation?
3: Um, sort of the, the classical answer to that. And i I don't know how accurate it really is, but sort of the classic answer to that seems to be uh, about the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So like the 1880s, 1890s, around there, because that was the point when men left working at home and the men went off to the factories to work and they were not around their boys anymore, Mm, to where boys were left at home just with mama and that from that point on when men went to the factory and later on uh, to the office to work they didn't have the constant interaction between fathers and sons mm-hmm. that had always been the case or the broader community of men with dad and and uncles you know maybe yeah. even grandpa working the family farm or, or working a family business or something like that and so so there seems to be some disconnect from there. I think there's some residuum of trauma from World War One and World War II. Mm. And then with the rise of the feminist movement, um, uh, that definitely set things off uh, even faster in the 60s, um, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for positive femininity when women began to to assert power by taking away from other men rather than sort of, you know, enlarging the pie, you know saying that you have, if you have power, I don't have any, so you have to give me yours so that you have less. No, mm-hmm. we can build the world in a way where everybody is enhanced and everybody has greater autonomy and everybody has greater power. But a lot of feminist talk tends to put down men, just as you said, right. uh, and, and uh, want women to rise at the expense of their men. And that will not redound to anybody's success, and it will not make anybody... Have, there are consequences to that. Because we see it, and you sort of, you know, galloping promiscuity among young men, you know, going and getting, you know, young women pregnant, and not taking responsibility for their children, refusing yeah. to work, criminality, you know, all sorts of things that young men get into trouble with, you know, as a direct result of not having good, solid male role models, mm-hmm. and to be, the, the toxic masculinity thing sort of showed up just a few years ago as more of a popular cultural term, but you're right; it's a way of denigrating what we're always. Considered classical, strong, uh, masculine characteristics. Yeah. Which, you know, say, oh, we don't need them. Who needs to be strong nowadays? We have robots to do all of our work for us. You know, and yet men have always valued strength. You, you know, you you don't want your dad to be weak. You wouldn't want your brother to be weak. You wouldn't want your sons to be. You don't want to be weak. Right. You know, No man wants that. Men value that. And we see, and men arrange our own Hierarchies. So we, we judge ourselves exactly. by classical male characteristics. You know, Jack Donovan talks about them in his book, The Way of Men, you know, uh, the tactical virtues of strength, mastery, honor, uh, and courage. Mm -hmm. You know, and we arrange ourselves and we admire men who are courageous. We admire the guys who are stronger than we are. You know, we're really impressed with those guys who have absolute mastery of whatever it is, be it, you know, be it their, you know, their bass guitar or be it, you know, their ability to put out swell content on, on social media or they're making a bunch of money. You know, we respect that. And those are the kinds of virtues that get men ahead that allow men to give back To the community and to add value to everybody else's lives and that really men need to do and this is where i see a lot of men struggling and where they're lost a lot of men then because they don't have a sort of a bigger vision for their lives what they did say okay the world doesn't want me if all i am is toxic or if they buy the can't that i'm no good and that there's something inherently wrong with me then i'm going to just take care of myself and do what i damn well please i'm going to get my share and to hell with everybody else okay This is where masculinity goes bad, because in the way that I'm understanding it and trying to present it to others is that, first of all, masculinity is a gift to me. It's one of the things that God gave me in all of the other gifts which he gave me. I should be grateful for the fact that I'm a man. Mm. But my masculinity and all of the virtues and skills and talents and attributes that come with being a man, they are not for me. They're not for my self-aggrandizement. They're not to make me rich and make me powerful. They're there for me to give in service to everybody around me. What are the four classical things that men typically do? They, it's, it's sort of, you know, we procreate, we protect, we preside, and we provide. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to procreate, that means I need a woman and I better be taking care of my wife and I better be taking care of my kids. So my ability to procreate is contingent upon me providing for my wife and my family. If I'm going to preside, if I'm going to show leadership in my life, in my family, in my business, then there are other people for whom I am responsible, whom I need to lift up and who, whose lives I need to improve. So masculinity is ultimately in its mature expression, a matter of service to the rest of the world and helping to get young men to see that and to get them to quit focusing on themselves and say, no, bro, all of this is beautiful. You've built yourself up well. Now the genuine, you will find a life of immense gratitude and satisfaction when you can turn everything that you are and all this sweet stuff that you have and these great skills. Now go and add value to the rest of the world. Go and be a blessing to the people around you. Go and make the world a better place. And that's where we need men to step up. And like I say, young men about your age are beginning to sense this. It's not enough. To satisfy myself. I gotta do so. There's there's more to life. There's there's gotta be something bigger for me to do out there. And this is it. So I can get young guys to say, okay, take your eyes off yourself and look and see where there's a need. Where can you step up? You know, and and, you know, I've had some conversations with some younger guys that say, Yeah, well, you know, you're old, so you can be a dad or a granddad figure, you know, or a mentor, you know, to some younger men. I said, Don't talk like that. You said you I, I was talking to, I think, a 21-year-old. He mm-hmm. said that to me. I said, listen, do you know what a word of encouragement from you would mean to a 17-year-old kid? He said, man, you play that video game so sweet, you know, or that's a fantastic riff on your guitar. Or look what you did to your ride. Man, I wish I had a ride like that when I was 17. It busts his buttons, you know, with pride just to hear the affirmation and, and the encouragement from anybody older than ourselves is an immense blessing and a huge gift. And we can all do this. You don't have to have gray hair to do it. You know? Don't wait till you got gray hair. I mean, part of the reason I started the work I did was because I didn't for a long time. And mm. I live with a lot of regret. And if I can help younger guys to, to, to just improve their lives a little Maybe to step out, you know, lean into their fear or push their edges a little more and become more than they think they can be and do it younger than I finally figured that out. Mm -hmm. I've done fantastic work because even if you try and you fail, failure is bitter. But let me tell you, regret is 10 times worse. Mm. And I live with a hell of a lot of regret. And if I could spare anybody else that, I'm I'm willing to do it.
2: And you started by saying that masculinity is a gift to you and it's not really about you know, showing that you're big and bad and you're strong and you're dominating those around you and that you're the mm-hmm. alpha, so to speak, and things like that. it really is about serving others. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but men value strength and power and competence, mm-hmm. really. like we want to see that in ourselves. We want to see that in our brothers, uncles, fathers, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. But I also get the sense that women appreciate that, too. I don't think women want weak, cowardly, kind of emotionally no, unstable men. So I guess my curiosity, i'm I'm curious to know what you think. Is when did that become like the narrative that this is what women want? When did women change from wanting a man to protect and provide and be the man to over here like men are toxic, we don't need them, they're dangerous, et cetera, et cetera? When did you see, is it the industrial revolution like you mentioned? No, 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 or? that's
3: no, that's gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. Someone someone will correct you in, in sure. comments on this. Sure. Second, second generation feminism, I think, or third? Uh, it was with sort of with the idea that uh, no, no woman needs no man or the the classic line. I think what was it? Was it Gloria Steinem who said, you know, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle? You know, and so, it, you know, it was it started as a as a uh, an expression of, of female empowerment.
2: Mm-hmm. OK,
3: I can for a woman to say I can stand on my own two feet. I don't need a man to provide for me. I go and get my education. I have my skills and my strength. I can earn my own way. I don't need to be dependent on someone else. And I can take pride in that. I can understand that. God bless them. You know, they're able to do that. Um, Men then sort of felt, oh, they don't, they don't need me the way they used to need me. Okay. So there's been a little bit of, you know, confusion as to what men are supposed to contribute here as a result of it. But what I've also found though, and even in my own life with my own wife, is that when I do step up and when I do, um yeah! yeah I'm, I'm not. I, I, I'm. I'm a recovering nice guy, so I've always been mm. really, re- really nice guy. What do you
2: mean by what, that, nice guy? What do you um,
3: mean? Uh, non-confrontational, uh, going along to get along, uh, agreeing all the time. Probably too much people pleaser. People. Uh, okay. Conflict avoidant. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. There, there mm-hmm. is. There's a classic book in men's work by Dr. Robert Glover called "No More Mister Nice Guy," which. Okay. I recommend to any of the men who are listening, I recommend it to you too, uh, that there's a lot of nice guy behavior and his fundamental premise is that nice guys aren't. Basically, we're passive, passive aggressive, manipulative. S.O.B.s is what we are. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I did a lot of that kind of stuff myself to like figure out what I was doing. But what I found was that, you know, I don't have to be aggressive either with my wife or with my congregation or with anybody else, but I learned to be assertive, an appropriately assertive way where I could state my own needs, state my own views with full respect of everybody else around me. And what I found in the case of my wife was that when I was appropriately assertive. And when I quit doing that thing like, oh, honey, where do you want to go for dinner? Oh, I don't care. You pick where we want to go. Don't tell me where you want to go. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Love, I'd like Mexican tonight. I was thinking Middle Eastern. Okay. I I don't care where we go, but I had a plan and I came with a solution, not with a problem. And what I found was that when I I asserted myself, even in such a small way, it allowed my wife to relax more into her femininity. When, when When I stepped up more as a man in my masculinity, she didn't have to make up my lack and so be more masculine in her behavior and attitudes because I was filling that role for us adequately and she literally relaxed into her femininity and it was remarkable the change in the dynamic in our relationship is much happier it's much more it's much more relaxed there's a little less tension or anxiety there because i fully stepped into the role that i needed to fill for her and she's been very happy with it happier in more recent years since i kind of figured that out mm-hmm. so you know no we don't have to be cavemen and you know some sort of neanderthals in our relationships with other women but I, you know, I don't think women really care for wishy-washy, uh, you know, milk toast kind of guys. <laughs> and I, I don't believe the dad bod thing either. You know, I don't think women really like that. But, you know, they, so. they may not like Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I get. Not everybody does. But again, you know, man who who, who, who has worked on his own physique and, and has a good self-presentation. You know, if, if, I, I don't know if you work out. I do. Um, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm going to go way out here. You know, I am
2: a very impressive bodybuilder, bodybuilder, by the way, I was watching your TikTok video deadlifting, like 375 pounds. Yeah. That's my PR
3: 375. So (laughs) amazing. Yeah. But what I found, I mean, the first, the first lessons in the gym, and this is why, uh, my dear friend Bedros Kulian says fitness is the gateway drug to men's self-improvement. Yeah. If I can get a guy to start working out in the gym, what are the first lessons or the first things you gain is not. You know, you don't get stronger. You don't see that for a month. But you learn to make a plan. You learn to stick to a plan. You learn to work through pain. You learn to delay gratification. You know, you have to learn new skills. You know, there's a bunch of stuff like that that translates into the rest of your life. Easy skills you can pick up in the gym. And all of those things, you know, go together. So when you know, when a man, and, you know, if, 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 if you've got a great physique, then, you know, you can't buy that. You can't fake that. You know, you worked for it. You were consistent. You show hard work. You know, you show dedication. You show a bunch of stuff like that. And that's what looks good on a man. Mm-hmm. I think dedication and confidence looks much better on a man, I'd say, than muscle does. Mm-hmm. And that's a, yeah, that's what I think a lot of women are actually looking for. They got a man who knows what he wants, who knows the direction he's going, who's not going to make her, you know, the object of his life. Women hate that stuff. They don't want to be the goal of your life. Well, no, I got, I'm going here. I got a great life. This is where I'm going. You want to come along for the ride? Mm. This is going to be swell, baby. Let's go. Let's go. You know? And then I think that's an appropriate, that's an appropriate relationship. And then things work a whole lot better. But when guys put, I I think I say this in one of the the videos on Instagram and TikTok, when you got to be careful putting your women up on a pedestal. Right. Because a lot of guys, you know, do this. They pedestalize the women. Well, if she's up here, where are you? You're down here, yeah, you want to date down? I mean she's looking down at you you're already already like at strike one, you know coming out of the gate. you know you need to be at least like this mm-hmm. you know, so we can't put women up on a pedestal like that, and vice versa women don't pedestalize right. men either
2: right. you know? and- it seems that um a lot of young men myself included many years ago I was kind of confused about what masculinity actually was. I think a lot of young men think. Because we don't really know any better, that it is like showing that you're strong, you're not afraid of anybody, you'll fight at any moment, you're in control and things like that. When actually, you know, I was watching another one of your videos this morning, and you said it's really important not to confuse the difference between uh confidence and insecurity. A lot of guys will pretend mm. to be confident when they're really just yeah. accentuating all their insecurities and things like that. Real confidence is quiet and in control yeah. and, you know, calm in the face of confrontation, problems, et cetera. So how would you define Real masculinity because it seems like everybody has their own viewpoint on what it even is these days.
3: yeah um, that's always the $10,000 question mm-hmm. and um, I think uh, masculinity are 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 a set of attributes that are common to men and women but which are accentuated in men and which men hold in higher regard and which uh, men are valued for. And these include characteristics uh, like I said before: uh, strength, mm-hmm. you know, size and strength kind of go together. Uh, confidence, uh, assertiveness—not necessarily aggression, but sort of I know what I want and I'm willing to go after it. Uh, stick toativeness or a doggedness, you know, a willingness to grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in its most mature form, like I say, uh, I heard this great definition. I, f- I forget who who said it. That. Masculinity is the grateful acceptance of sacrificial service. That we are willing to get married and, you know, share our resources with our wife and eventually with kids and, you know, with a larger community, we're willing to give our gifts and our talents in the service of others. And I think ultimately, you know, that makes for a a, a really fulfilled life. And I think that's what we need. We need to call other men up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a lot to give, man. Give it. You know, don't quit holding back.
2: Now, I hear that so, completely, but I also hear a lot of young men who look at what you just said, the idea of marriage and family mm-hmm. and being a responsible person and providing for others. And they think about all the cases of the best intentioned men who got married, started a family and yep. all that, only to find out that they got married to maybe the wrong person. They got divorced. Yep. They lost their kids, their house. And they're like, I'm not signing yep. up for that shit. Why would I ever devote my life to this woman who doesn't even really want me. She wants what I have and what I can do for her. So when you talk to young men, how do you get them to see it from a different perspective and understand, like, it's not marriage. That's the problem. It's maybe choosing partners and like forming some kind of agreement, not just before you get married, but during the relationship, communication is a huge thing and all that. Mm -hmm. So how do you talk to young men about seeing the positive benefits of marriage and almost a necessity for it in some cases?
3: uh no you're you're absolutely right and um i i i'm I'm real pleased to say i have i've have two sons my eldest has been married now about a year and a half my younger son just got engaged thank god it's been 3 years finally got engaged um but i told them both i said man i'd hate to be your age and being in the dating world mm. right now cuz I, I can't imagine cuz i got all these young guys in the parish who are desperate Get married. I see relationships come and go and crash and burn. You know, right and left. I have, yeah. I have a couple of recent divorces in the parish, which were devastating to the husband and the wife as well as to the kids. I think the only thing I can say is, is sort of along the lines. You you sort of said it. You know, you have to be really careful, mm-hmm. and I think take your time uh, in in vetting a potential spouse. But I I can't really buy kind of the whole black pill sort of attitude that, you know, no, all women are horrible. Don't ever get married. Don't ever have a relationship or, yeah. you know, or just use a woman for your own needs and then toss her aside because there's nothing of lasting value. I, I, you know, I, I can't see that. What I do see is that the, the age of young people getting married is going up. And so a lot of guys, you know, like like your age, in late 20s, are saying, oh, there's nobody out there. The market's a catastrophe. I can't trust any of the women that I see. But in five years you know, things are settled down. You've got kind of a different perspective. You know, you've you've grown your own value and, you know, men's value is not, it's not just our beautiful looks, you know, for men, it's the ability to provide. So, you know, maybe you're no longer in an entry level job. Maybe you've paid down the student debt. You know, maybe you've finally been able to move out of your parents' house or get rid of your roommates and, you know, get your own place all, all on your own. And you're beginning to show some success. And at that point, you know, that, those are attributes that are really attractive in a man to a woman. And so sometimes it's just that, you know, we're, we're not quite in a position yet to present, a, a, you know, a, a package or a, you know, or a lifestyle that, that's really attractive to another woman. Mm. Uh, and true, women need to grow up a bit, too, and they need to do their own work. Um, I ain't touching that with a 10 foot pole. Every time I've come anywhere near, you know, dealing with women's issues, you know, I've got shot down real quick. So, women, take care of your own issues mm. and uh, you know, talk to other women and older women who have some wisdom, you know, tell them what the stuff that they should have learned from their mom and from their grandma, yeah. you know, and give them that kind of stuff because it, it is important. And I guess most recently, what I've begun to kind of appreciate is that. If, the world of dating for young people nowadays looks to be like the world of the walking wounded. It's like all these young that. men are, these guys are like going down the road, dragging their guts behind themselves, you know? And it, I, I didn't give it too much thought except dealing with them directly. But I realized, you know, all of the young women are the same way. They're all wounded. They're all deeply suspicious. They're all scared to death of commitment or, or, of, or of vulnerability for fear. They're going to get burnt. You know, there's a lot of pain out there. Yeah. And so, working on ourselves, becoming confident in our own abilities, growing ourselves up, dealing with our own issues, you know, if you've got mental issues or emotional issues or substance abuse issues or just maturity issues, becoming the best man you can be or becoming the best woman that you can be is going to go a long way. Fixing your own stuff will go a long way towards making any possible relationship better. So, you know, really, really, guys, work on yourselves. Become the best man that you possibly can as quickly as you can. And uh, your chances of, you know, finding, finding a successful mate and, you know, in a happy marriage go up. All right.
0: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh one dot com
2: now on your podcast, I was listening to it this weekend, you kind of talk about how part of that, as you mentioned in your TikTok videos and stuff, is weightlifting, it's fitness. I mean that fixes a lot of things, and you said something like the lessons you learn with the iron are fungible, right? They kind of bleed over into other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know, how does religion play a part in self-improvement? Because obviously it's part of your mission as a priest Mm -hmm. to spread the gospel and and help young men see the value in maintaining a religious practice. So if you think about a young kid these days, I'm not sure what you experienced, but a lot of young kids I talked to, even myself included many years Mm -hmm. ago, kind of just rejected the whole idea of religion just because it seems like, although there is intrinsic value in a lot of places, it gets manipulated by some bad actors. So religion as a whole gets a bad rap. And a lot of young men specifically are like, I'm not going to follow these rules blindly. I can't even, you know, who is this priest? He probably does a whole bunch of dark stuff that I don't know about. And he's judging me and telling me how to live my life, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What case can you make? Or how do you explain to young men the value of practicing religion?
3: Okay. Uh, First off, yeah. You, you need to do your own homework and the relationship with God is first of all, is first of all, personal.
1: Mm.
3: Uh, so yeah, don't blindly follow what anybody says. Don't blindly follow what I say. Right. Please to Jesus, don't do that. Uh, but what I do find is that we do, find, and you, you probably sense it in yourself. A, a lot of men, I think all men feel a need to serve something higher than themselves.
2: Absolutely. You know,
3: yeah. You know, so, uh, And, you know, it used to be, you know, uh, when the military was held in higher regard, man, you know, the US of A, yeah, defend the US of A, we got a great way of life. It's a great country. I'm willing to put my life on the line for that. You know, the last five to 10 years, that's gotten kind of iffy. And so, you know, our country is not quite big enough anymore. You know, if it was a direct threat to me, yeah, you know is it okay to say on your your show that I spent all my my stimulus checks on guns and ammo, (laughs) you know, Uh, (laughs) joking, joking. Uh, But, you know, if it came to to personal defense, you know, could I defend myself? Yeah, yeah, I can. But to, you know, to give my life to something, to the country, you know, there's a lot of large institutions that have lost our faith. We can't put trust in them anymore. And I think God is about the only one that's left uh, who has never let us down. And the, there is a way then of finding a way to serve God, to serve a transcendent purpose, a supernatural purpose that gives ultimate meaning and value and direction and structure to our lives. And I mean, even to go back to what I was saying about mature masculinity being you know, like sacrificial service, mm-hmm. in the Christian tradition at least there are two great commandments. You love God and you love your neighbor. In both cases, you're taking your attention off yourself and you're putting it on God, and you're putting it on your neighbor. So when we can forget about ourselves and live not for myself alone, but for God and for my neighbor, mm. that puts us in a right relationship to something bigger than ourselves, as well as making sure that we are committed to serving a larger community. And we get our value and our recognition back from genuinely serving and caring for other people. Mm. And that's where, the, where, the, where it comes from. And Christian churches, I mean, I've I, I've only been Catholic and Orthodox, you know, but, and, and so I've, you know, I, I'm sure it's the same thing in synagogues. I'm sure it's the same thing in mosques. I'm sure it's the same thing in temples where men can get together and they can, you know, they can stand shoulder to shoulder and give their devotion to something greater than themselves and then lift each other up. They can find brotherhood and community and 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 a and a, a significant reason to get out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. you know, something bigger to give themselves to. And so it can inform our lives. It doesn't, I mean, granted, I'm a priest, so I'm ordained and paid to be an official religious person. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if you get up in the morning and, and, you know, you have a place in your home where you go and you can pray, where you can acknowledge that there's something bigger than yourself, where you can be grateful, you know, for the gifts that are given to you, you know, where you can examine yourself and say, no, I really fell short today. I promised to do better uh, these things can make a, a really big difference in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But don't just take any, 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 old, any old preacher's word on it. No, go yeah. and open the book for yourself. It's not that hard to read, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, develop a personal relationship with God and see where that, where that takes you. If you're genuinely looking for truth and for ultimate reality, I think you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. It's I
2: really interesting do. you say that because I was listening to your podcast this weekend and, I don't remember if it was you or Father Hans that said it, but it was something like, or maybe it was in one of your TikTok videos. You said something like at the end of the day, as a man, you need to go your own way. You can take advice from the wise men in your community, from your father, from other people, but you still just have to like figure it out for yourself. Life is unpredictable mm-hmm. and you have to be your own man. So I guess yeah. when, you, when I heard you say that, my curiosity uh, was piqued because in the podcast, I believe you said, or you were talking about the importance of religion and how it gives us kind of like a a path to walk down and it teaches Mm -hmm. us how to live properly. It gives us good values. But thinking of the 20 something kid listening to this right now, who isn't really into religion and doesn't see any Mm -hmm. reason to get into it, you might be thinking, okay, if I need to go my own way and just figure things out for myself, why do I need the church? Why do I need to go there every Sunday and be involved in a community and like read the word of, of Christ when I should just mm-hmm. be doing my own thing. That seems kind of contradictory, depending on how you look uh, at because,
3: it. Because in the modern world, we overvalue individualism. Mm-hmm. And why do you need to go and make all of those mistakes yourself when, at least in the Christian tradition, we have 2000 years of experience of all the guys who have already mucked that up for themselves and said, don't do it that way.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so there's a tradition here. Okay, that can guide you and save you a whole bunch of mm. missteps. Yeah. And a church or, a, or any religious house of worship is going to be a place where you're going to find like-minded men, where you're going to find a community which of men who, can, who will have your back, who can call out the best in you, who can put an arm around your shoulder when you need it and a swift kick in the pants when you need that mm. too. Ain't none of us good enough to do this on our own. Mm. And there certainly isn't any... Forgive me, this this will come as old age prejudice. There is certainly no 20-year-old who's got his stuff together well enough not to need, you know, the input, you know, have somebody to have his back. Agreed. You know, so learn just a little bit of humility, you know, and and take some criticism from the older dudes around you, but let them also guide you because these are established paths to success in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a cause. Being religious does not cause you to have a more successful life, but there are correlations people who go to church regularly have you know their kids have less drug abuse there's less suicide there's less depression they have higher incomes you know they're they're happier they're more successful in their jobs they tend to stay together longer in their marriages there's a whole host of benefits that show that having a religious component to your life greatly enhances the overall quality of your life mm. And personally, having a personal relationship with God is, is one of the, the, the best choice that I have, you know, and that's not quantifiable. So when you you, know, you go your own way, I think what Father Hansel was saying you know, in the podcast is, yes, we need to be autonomous. We need to take full responsibility for our own lives. But that doesn't mean for me to be responsible and autonomous, I have to reject everything that you say and do it absolutely on my own or it's somehow not real. That you know, means I will... For myself, when I became Orthodox, I fully take on the burden of being an Orthodox Christian. I take on the responsibility of living as as an observant Christian according to the way my church tells me to do it, and I take on that burden joyfully Mm. because it has helped to form me as a man. It's helped to form my worldview and my morals. It's made me a better person, and I see that, and I freely choose it, and I freely submit to it. I'm not there because my parents dragged me. I'm not there because I'm afraid, you know, of of the priest or the pastor in front of the church. Mm -hmm. I don't come to Christ out of a position of weakness or I'm downtrodden and I'm, you know, and I'm I'm one down and people are taking advantage of me. I come Mm -hmm. to Christ standing on my own two feet and freely willing to submit myself to him. And the only one to whom I submit is Christ. Mm -hmm. It's the only one to whom i bend the knee.
2: But and you're... my
3: bishop, and my bishop, to a degree, but he's my boss, and he, he kind of expects that of me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's very relative, really, you know. And and he respects my freedom, and my my freedom in Christ. But really, God is the only one to whom we should bend the knee. But we do it not out of fear and servility; we do it out of freedom, and out of full respect and, and desire to honor Him. And that's two different attitudes.
2: Yeah, know? I mean, the way, what you're saying right now is something that I don't think I've heard before because you mentioned like you're you're going not because your parents dragged you and that you're forced to do it but because you willfully Mm -hmm. voluntarily signed up for this thing and i just remember man like when i was a little kid my mom probably until age eight or nine she would try to make us to go to church every sunday she was a verily uh Mm -hmm. not a verily she was a very um or is i should say a very religious person traditional christian and everything and she tried to expose us to that lifestyle but at some point she kind of realized like you know, I can't force you true to live this lifestyle. I can't force you to want to learn about it so she kind of just gave up on it and we never really talked much about okay. it again. so I'm curious to know there is a,
3: yeah there is a point where there is a point where yeah when we're children we go along because that's that that's what we do and we do it as right. a family. but at some point usually in your earlier mid teens, we need to become independent and then we need to assume the mantle of, of, of that relationship personally. And a lot of people don't. So this is why it's a very common story for young people to walk away from Christ in his church or from the synagogue when you know they're in high school and maybe they stay away out in college. But like I'm finding in my own, in, in my own life, they get about 25, 26, 27, 28. They start looking for something bigger again and they start looking back to the church.
2: Exactly what and, happened to me. <laughs> you know, yeah.
3: And so, you know, here we are. So to understand yeah. young people's journey. And, you know, not to judge them for that, but to recognize that everything that's happened in your life has brought you to this moment where you can now freely, of your own free will and volition, standing on your own feet, freely choose to submit to Christ. Yeah, This is a beautiful thing.
2: It's very interesting, man. And I know you got to get out of here, so we should uh, wrap this up now. But I want to thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom with the people, man. Hopefully we can do this again soon. Uh, your yeah. handle on Instagram and TikTok is AVG, the number yes. two. And then Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, correct?
3: Correct. Average to Alpha.
2: Average to Alpha. Follow them on the social media. Check out the podcast as well as Iron Sharpens Iron. You can get that on Apple Podcasts. uh, I'm sure other podcast platforms as well. Yeah,
3: I think we're primarily on Ancient Faith Radio, which is an Orthodox social media site. But I think we are on Apple. Yeah.
2: Okay, excellent. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up.